0: I invite you to turn with me in your copy of God's Word to Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to read verses 25. Now your bulletin says 35. That is a pastoral mistake in typing the information to Roy. Roy said, I could have a verse 35, but I would have to make it up. And so we won't do that, so we'll just end with 34. And uh, so Matthew chapter 6, 25 through 34. Many of you know that we begin a new series today going along with your Bible study, Sunday school lessons, centered in the midst of a busy life. And boy, life is busy, and it brings many ailments to us at times, and we must be centered. So it has been my prayer uh, and my excitement in preparing for not only this message, but the messages to come that we will draw near into Christ and find contentment in our life. Contentment in our life. If you are physically able, I would invite you to stand with me in honor and reverence of reading God's Word today as we hear the words of the God man Jesus Christ in the Sermon on the Mount Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these." and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. May God bless the reading of his word today. All of God's children said, Amen. You may be seated. Think of who was speaking these words, Jesus Christ, the God-man, God in the flesh. He's now 30 plus years old in the last three years of his life, teaching this great sermon on the mount. Think of all the years that Jesus Christ had contemplated and had watched the birds. How they don't sow seeds, plow the fields, reap the harvest, Gather it into barns? How many times had Jesus watched the beauty of the flowers and knowing the life of Solomon and seeing how God clothes the grass of the field so faithfully? And here he contemplates on that and preaches it in this message, thoughts that he had thought probably many times before about how God cares for the earth and cares for His people. See, when God first spoke, He spoke in and through nature. And here again, the Word in flesh speaks to us in and about nature to teach us about our lives. He says, look at the birds. Look at the lilies. Notice the birds, notice the flowers, and he says, The Father cares for them. And then the question is, How much more does our Lord care for us? May we find comfort in that question that Jesus repeatedly answered Yes, God does care for you. Let's pray. Father, give us ears to hear. Grant us faith as we hear Your Word today. And grant us grace, Lord. Allowing us, Heavenly Father, not just to hear these with our ear, but with our heart, Your words. Of encouragement, of conviction, of comfort. And through the Word, Heavenly Father... May your Holy Spirit work in each of our lives, that we might find contentment even in the midst of a busy world. In Jesus' name, amen. I feel this morning, as this is certainly a passage that I've preached on before, that we in church, for those of you who have grown up in church, you have heard many times, and this week in looking at this lesson, I feel like I need to say what the Lord doesn't mean in this passage of Scripture. What He doesn't mean, and if you will allow me for a few moments, I would like to share with you at least three thoughts on what the Lord doesn't mean by this glorious passage of Scripture. One, He does not mean that there won't be troubles and anxious feelings and emotions in our life. And that there won't be challenges in each day. As a matter of fact, he promises that in verse 34. He says, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. You're going to have challenges. There's going to be difficulties. Some days worse than others. You're going to have feelings. You're going to have emotions. He says, sufficient For the day is its own trouble. Each day has these challenges. God has told us that ahead of time. So he's not saying that there won't be challenges that we will have to face by faith in Christ. Secondly, what he doesn't mean by this passage of Scripture, and I don't think anyone in here would take it this way, but some have throughout history. When he said, look at the birds and look at the lilies, and he says, they don't sow or reap the harvest or gather in the barns, but yet our heavenly Father feeds them. He doesn't mean that we are to live without work and preparation in each day. He doesn't mean that we're not to care about life. He doesn't mean that we are to purposely live ragged and in poverty for some sort of sense of holiness. He does not mean that. And some people have taken that. He doesn't mean that food and clothing don't matter. He, he said that in uh, verse 33, verse 32. For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. So these are real needs that matter. We need clothing. We need food. And we are to, if you will, to use the farming illustration as he reflected upon the birds that they don't sow the seed in the ground, And they don't bring in the harvest and gather it in the barns. It doesn't mean that we aren't to, if you will, sow the seed. Sow seeds in our life to prepare to reap a harvest and to gather it in. He does not mean that. But I also want to say this, what he does not mean by in this Scripture. And I pray that this will bring some relief and encouragement to all of our lives when you have felt guilty and been made to feel guilty about being anxious in certain circumstances that there aren't situations in life which we will not be concerned about and find anxious emotions and feelings And I don't think he wants us to feel guilty for having emotions of anxiety over certain things. Now some of you are saying you're not preaching right. But hang with me just a minute. Look at what he's referring to. What we will eat or what we will drink. And we'll get into that more in just a minute. But let's be honest, when it comes to friends and family, and our friends are hurting, and our family is hurting, we're anxious, aren't we? We're sick to our stomachs when our family hurts and our friends hurt. That's not lack of faith. And when our family is maybe running away from the Lord and we are concerned... I've heard people from other denominations say, I didn't worry, I just fasted for meals and prayed for six hours or something like that. Well, that's great, and that's what we are to do is pray and at times fast. But why did you do that? Because you were anxious about the situation. Because someone you loved was hurting or in need And those are different matters than what Jesus is addressing in this passage of Scripture. In this passage of Scripture, He's talking about eating and drinking and clothes. We will have anxieties over people that we love or spiritual situations in our life. When spiritual matters are threatened such as Christianity and other Christians. The Bible tells us to weep with those who weep. If we're going to be truly weeping with them, emotions are going to be stirred up. When the church is being threatened and its unity is destroyed and the church is cold and lagging, these should stir up feelings of emotions, that we're concerned about our church, the church, because we want the church to succeed, and we should, and we should strive for that. Jesus Christ is not talking about these spiritual matters. And what about the unsaved? in your friends and neighbors and family that don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, we grow anxious about that. And oh, we should more. We should care that there are people dying every day without Jesus Christ. We should care. And our emotions be stirred with the thought that our children are running away from the church and from Christ, the only answer there is to this dark and lost world. These are spiritual matters. And they were matters that even Christ saw anxieties and had emotions stirred. Jesus wept. Jesus grew angry when the temple was being abused. A place of prayer. But let me give you another example. Think about Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane before He would go to the cross. Suffered such emotional torment and anxieties that he experienced a rare medical experience where he sweated drops of blood. And he was so tormented through anxieties and emotions, he's casting himself on the ground. And it was so severe that the Scripture said he was almost about to die at that point before he even went to the cross as he understood what was about to happen to him, as your sins and my sins and the sins of the world were being laid upon him at this point, these spiritual matters, even upon the God-man, pure, holy, and righteous, brought great anxieties that most of us or any of us have ever experienced before. The Apostle Paul also we find in writings where he was anxious about the situations in the local churches where he had went and preached the gospel and won converts for Christ and planted churches and established them. And then he would hear reports when they were not doing well. And he was anxious. He said these, these words in his own letters about their current situation. So Jesus Christ in this Scripture does not mean that we're not to work, that the days won't have troubles and challenges, or that we, over spiritual matters, and loved ones will not have feelings of emotions, and at times anxiousness. So what is the Lord teaching us? What is the heart of the matter? Verses 31 And 32 again. Look at them with me if you will. Therefore do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. You see, this is, in this great sermon, a description of Christian living for the kingdom. The point he's making is, is that those that have Receive Christ, or at that time, those of the Jewish faith that knew Yahweh, the one true God, that were trusting in the sending of the Messiah, those that believed Jesus Christ was the Messiah, lived differently than the rest of the world. And by Gentiles, he's actually talking about all of us. But at that time, he's speaking, he's using this to speak of people that were not of Jewish faith, that did not know Yahweh, Jehovah God, did not believe in the Messiah, and especially did not believe that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. But they had their pagan gods. They served other gods that they feared. And so Jesus Christ is saying, we don't live like these pagan people that are trying to appease and please this false god. And the question then, as I begin to write down is, is this, and really tune in to me. If you've ignored me the first few minutes, will you tune in now, young and old? Because here we get to the heart of the matter. Here's what I had to ask myself this week. Alan, where do most of your anxieties come from? Is it over spiritual matters? Which Jesus is not condemning here. Or is it over the same things that the rest of the world that don't know Jesus Christ are worried about? Is it things that people that don't live for Christ are worried about that is causing me to lose rest? and become anxious and then lose my temper and lose my joy and contentment. And here we have to ask ourselves, where are my anxieties coming from in this busy world? The things that are robbing your joy and contentment, do they have eternal value? Listen to me, all of you, young and old. The things that are robbing you of your joy and contentment, do they really have eternal value? Young people, listen to me. I, and I'm not being mean. I'm, I'm just sharing this with you. Many of the things that you're so worried about right now won't matter in 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years. Won't even matter. Won't even matter. And I was the same way. As the old-timer said, it won't amount to a hill of beans. I've never seen a hill of beans. I've eaten a mess of beans. I've never seen a hill of beans. Most of the things that are crushing you right now, in many ways, are not spiritual matters, and they won't, they won't matter in years down the road. And the same with, with my generation yeah, I've got through some of those things that I thought were so important 20 years ago, but now there's a, a whole new set of things that sometimes rob us in the midst of family. And, and some of you that are now 60, 70, 80, I'll go to 90 because of Brother Rex, you're, you're looking at my life saying that's not going to matter in 20 years the things you're worried about. I'm telling you. Not worth the hill of beans <laughs> And even to our seniors, you have challenges at this season and stage of your life because every season of life has its own challenges and can bring forth its own anxieties. And when you get to heaven, you're going to see, that didn't amount to anything, did it? God took care of me. God takes care of His people. There's a quote that I came across. Discouragement is simply the despair of a wounded self-love. See, when we forget the love of God and the love that He has for us, the promises He's given, and the care He provides, when we forget those things and shut that voice off, we do violence to our soul. And discouragement and anxieties about life pour over us like a tidal wave. Here's the second question. The first was, the things you're worried about, do they have eternal value? If they don't, they won't matter at some point in the future. Secondly is, what are your motives for worrying about the things that are crippling your peace and joy? And and here's what Jesus is getting to at the heart of this matter. Are you just worried about the same things that people that don't even know me are worried about? And secondly, what are your motives? Are you scared if you don't get the, the promotion that you won't be noticed for your hard work? Is, are you afraid that people won't respect you or see your brilliance? Or if you don't get the grade that you want or the starting position, or if your kid doesn't get to start on the ball team? What are your real motives for the things you're worried about. Are you worried you won't have as nice a vehicle as your neighbor? A, a nice house as your neighbor? A settled retirement that you feel... What What are your motives for these things? That you won't be able to take as many vacations in your retirement as, as some of the other people in your family or your neighbors? What are your motives that are stirring up these expectations that aren't even real that we're placing that bring anxieties upon us and they rob us of contentment and they're not even spiritual matters that won't matter in a few years and especially in a hundred years after we're gone. It's not going to change the course of history. Even ours. Third question is this, whose voice or voices are influencing the way you live and the things you're anxious about? I'm, I'm way out of touch with the world, but I'm going to use this example anyway. Are you keeping up with the Kardashians or the Word of God? And you might not watch that show, and I never have and plan in no means of watching it, but you know what I mean by that reference. Whose voices are you listening to? Young people listen to me who's influencing your life? And even to us parents and grandparents, whose voices are we listening to This can happen even in the church, beloved. We lose contentment in our church. You know, there comes a point where uh, even pastors, am I respected anymore? Do people hear my voice? Uh, Do they see me? Do they know me? And sometimes even in our church we think, well, we don't have what the other church down the street has, and it doesn't mean that we don't work, but when you start looking at those things, you grow discontented, you grow discouraged, you grow anxious, and then the church is destroyed. And whose voices are we listening to? Who is influencing us more than anyone else? And the, world, the world's voice is going to add expectations that really aren't real, that bring busyness in our life, but they also bring discouragement and anxiety. You know, in in the 80's we had our those old headphones in 70's and 80's and you would crank those up. I remember trying to mow on a snapper in in the 80's at, at Waco and the mowers were even a lot louder than they are now and I was on the snapper and trying to listen to my Walkman. If younger people don't know what a Walkman is, just Google that. And... I had my headphones on and you still couldn't drown out the noise of the mower. And so you wonder why I can't hear today. Here's another reason is you crank the Walkman all the way up till it's blaring and then you still have the noise of the mower going and you can barely hear the music. And But things have come so far now and now they have these active noise reduction headphones where you can have silence or almost complete silence, or you can hear your music better without the background noise. And, and I began to look at those this past week, and the reason they do that is because there's a small microphone or microphones, and they're just taking the background noise, like if you're on an airplane, into that microphone. And in my redneck way of, of sharing this, it just redirects the background noise and then all you hear is quietness or your music or your sermons or your talks or books. It redirects the background noise. And I thought, you know, it's this, that's the same thing we have to do with our life. We do have to put on our spiritual headphones with the Word of God and our relationship with Jesus Christ And allow it to filter that background noise of the world that's influencing us, that's whispering or shouting in our ear every day and redirect that. The only way to combat the noise of the world is with the voice of the Lord and thoughts of the kingdom. And in verse 33, Jesus addresses that again. And he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And here's a great promise. Seek me first. Seek the kingdom first. And I'm going to take care of all this other stuff. All these other things will be added unto you. That's a beautiful promise. Seek Him first, and I'll take care of you. And so we have to, and my kids get tired of hearing this, but I'll ask them, How's your spiritual life? Are you caring for your soul? And I know they get sick of hearing that because I got sick of hearing my mom ask me, Alan, are you reading your Bible? You know, and and Dad as well. I didn't like to hear it when I was young either, but I'm glad they asked now. Because what's at stake? Your life. Your contentment, your joy, your purpose for this life. A wasted life missing the life that God has designed for you to receive fulfillment and reward in. That's what's at stake. Of us going through this life busy as a one-armed paper hanger and accomplishing nothing that matters. Doing this, Jesus teaches us, will lead to a centered life in Christ with much joy even when tomorrow has its own troubles that are not yet seen centered spiritually even in busyness. Corey Ten Boom said this as I begin to close. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. But the question is, do you know the Lord? The other question is, will you hear and trust His voice today. Father, we thank You for these beautiful words, this lesson of life. Help us, precious Lord, to focus on the kingdom and Your righteousness and Your love for us and Your beautiful promise that all these things will be added unto us Heavenly Father, would you draw those that do not know you to the throne of grace today. Awaken their spirits and their spiritual eyes and their spiritual ears that they may see you by faith and hear you by faith. And life will be added unto them. To the Christian Lord and all of us that sometimes get weighed down with the background noise discouragement comes and anxiety comes over non-eternal issues. And they weigh us down and they rob us of our contentment. Would You, O God, help us to hear Your voice today too? And give us strength, Lord, to recenter our lives upon You? Would You heal our lives today? Would you give us hope and purpose even in the midst of a busy, toilsome world? Father, we trust you, and we trust your promises. And now, Lord, move in our midst as you would see fit. In Jesus' name, amen.